Good morning, everyone. For our guests, my name is Anton. I'm Senior Minister here. And uh, from our first song and from those two Bible readings, we see Jesus doing the miraculous. He can heal the sick. He can calm the storm. He can drive out a demon. Uh, those things are difficult to believe in this day and age. Uh, particularly when there's not much talk about the supernatural, uh, let alone uh, let alone hard to believe about Jesus himself. And so here gathered today, why should we believe what is going on here? What benefit to our life uh, will it be? Uh, we're going to focus on the, the first reading this morning uh, where Jesus calms the storm. And uh, looking at Jesus doing miraculous things, one thought we might have is, uh, well, if we believe in Jesus, if we can, if we do believe that Jesus uh, calmed a ferocious storm to bring the disciples out of danger, if we believe that, then maybe Jesus can bring a little calm to the to the big or small storms that are in my life that are going on for me. You know, if I really have faith in Jesus, then won't He? calm down all the hardships and challenges I face. Well, today we're going to read the text closely to see what Jesus is saying to us through it. Uh, Because it is dealing with the challenges that we're facing. It is speaking into our fears in life. It will help us with our worries and concerns, but we need to look closely and see what God says. And my prayer is that you will see it is worth believing in what Jesus did and in who he is, especially as we face life's storms. Uh, So let me pray that that may happen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your word so that we can see Jesus clearly and in him we can see you. Uh, Father, may you uh, speak to us today so that we listen not to ourselves, but to you, particularly as we face life difficulties uh, this week. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, so that we can uh, have a look clearly about what uh, God is saying to us today. So, here's the scene. Jesus had just finished a day of teaching. Remember, there were crowds everywhere and uh, so many crowds that he had to... Remember last week, he had to go into a boat out into the water so the crowds wouldn't uh, crush him so uh, tightly. And then a passage says, when evening came, Jesus says, let's go over to the other side of the of the lake, of the sea. And uh, so, of course, the crowds didn't go across. They left the crowds behind. And in Mark's gospel, uh, as you, if you follow along the, the geography of it all, Jesus is constantly going back and forward across the Sea of Galilee. On the north side of the sea was Capernaum and Bethsaida and other kind of uh, larger towns, and that's where kind of all the crowds were coming from. But on the... Oh, I've done the wrong side. North? On the west side, uh, it was more quiet, less populated... Uh, and so Jesus is heading, heading down there. Makes me wonder, I wonder if Jesus was an introvert. Have you ever thought about that? Um, you know, I don't, I don't think they had Myers-Briggs back then, but, but you know, <laughs> introverts need, uh, introverts can be social, but they need, you know, 
time to recover from <laughs> and recharge from uh, being around people. So who knows? Maybe Jesus was uh, another question to ask him uh, when we get to glory. Uh, anyway, the disciples take Jesus across the water in a boat. And uh, if they thought they were heading for a time of peace and quiet, they were in for a rude shock. Have a look down at verse 37. Follow along with me. A furious squall. We don't use that word much. It's, it's the same word that's used for for a cyclone or a fierce windstorm. So a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? All right. Uh, apart from the fact I love that Jesus was sleeping on a cushion, great little detail there. Uh, but let's have a look at the disciples' reaction first. So, at this stage, uh, we saw a couple of weeks ago, we read that uh, Jesus had chosen his 12 disciples and they were in the boat, fierce storm comes up, waves crashing over the side. And uh, now, think about who are the 12 disciples. You'd expect Matthew to be pretty scared right now because remember, Matthew was a tax collector. He spent his days in his cushy tax collection booth. Uh, so, you know, when things got a bit choppy on the water, he'd be the first one to get a bit scared. But disciples such as Simon and Andrew and James and John, they were fishermen. They lived their life on this lake. They would have seen all sorts of weather conditions and they were expert in handling boats through it. But even these guys were afraid. And so when the expert fishermen are afraid, then you've really got cause for panic. They thought this was the end. The storm was that fierce, they thought they were going to drown. And look at their reaction towards Jesus, who was asleep. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? You can imagine what's going through their heads, you know, them saying, Jesus, how on earth can you be asleep? We're all about to drown here. You know, we've kind of seen you do miracles before. Why aren't you doing one now? Don't you care? Don't you care about us? They looked at the storm. It seems insurmountable, unsurvivable. And they've looked at Jesus, asleep, doing nothing. And so Jesus must not care about them. Now, you may have never been on the sea in a storm, but we've never thought the same way about Jesus, have we? We've never, we never think like that. Towards Jesus, would we? Of course we would. Of course we would. Jesus, I have prayed and prayed that you would do something, and you haven't. Don't you care? Jesus, this thing in my life, it's its unbearable. You're doing nothing. Don't you care? Jesus, every, every, um, every time life seems to get a little bit better, then something happens and it gets worse. It's obvious that you don't care, Jesus. We've thought like that, haven't we? I don't know, what's your example of this? What's the storm in your life that is terrifying? Or maybe there might be some ripples now and the big storm will come later. How easy is it to think, are you just asleep on the job, Jesus? Just like the disciples. But back on the lake, 
Have a look at verse 39. Jesus rises up from his pillow and just like Jesus rebuked evil spirits as he drove them out of people, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down. All was calm. Now, was this a coincidence? Well, it's possible for a strong wind to suddenly drop. You know, we've been in that circumstance where, you know, things are just blowing a gale and all of a sudden the wind stops. Uh, but the, but waves don't work like that. Now, waves can take days before they die down after a storm. Uh, this was a genuine miracle. And just like God, in the beginning, creating nature with a word, Jesus commands creation, commands nature with his word, and it obeys. Uh, many wouldn't believe a miracle like this, but it's not hard to believe in a miracle like this if we first believe the primary miracle of God creating the world. So, for example, uh, God, uh, the psalmist in Psalm 65 says this, You answer us uh, with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Saviour. The hope of all the earth, all the ends of the earth and of the farther seas, whom form the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves and the turmoil of the nations. See, this psalm says that God is the one who stills the roaring of the seas. But in our passage today, he has come in the flesh. God in human form, in Jesus, he is calming the storm. This is where we see the kingdom coming near. And so just as Jesus' need for sleep displays his humanity, Jesus' calming of the waves displays his divinity. And so the wind and the waves could not do anything but obey because Jesus is God. The wind died down and it was completely calm. But then after that, I don't know about you, but if I was writing the story, if I had to finish off the ending from this point, uh, I would have written it differently to what it is in the Bible, I reckon. You know, after Jesus calms the storm, I would have ended the story like this. So here is actual verse 39. He got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, uh, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Here's my verse 40. And then the disciples were amazed at Jesus' power and they glorified Jesus for his miraculous works, praising him saying, you are the son of God. And their faith was greatly strengthened from that day. <laughs> Isn't that a better ending? <laughs> so I would have done it. Uh, because we think that if we see something miraculous, then that's going to strengthen our faith. Lord, if you just show yourself, or Lord, if you do this thing for me, then I'll know that you're out there and that you love me. Or we, when we think of others, we think, oh, if God did something miraculous today, then our non-believing family or friends, then they'd see who you are and turn to you. But that's not the ending that Mark recorded. That's not what happened. Here's what's recorded. Have a look at actually verse 40. 
He said to, Jesus said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus rebukes the disciples for their fear and their lack of faith. Why were you so afraid in the storm? I was with you. Don't you trust me? Don't you trust me? So just as Jesus gave a talking to the waves, he gives a talking to his disciples as well. But let's have a bit of sympathy for the disciples. Why didn't they trust Jesus in that moment? Well, part of the answer comes down in verse 41. Have a look. Uh, Remember, at this point in their relationship with Jesus, they didn't really see the full picture of who Jesus was. So have a look, verse 41. They were terrified. In fact, in the original language it reads, they feared with great fear. They were more scared now than they were during the storm. So after the miracle, instead of building their faith, the miracle produces terror in the disciples. And going on, and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? Because at this point, before Jesus fully reveals himself, they haven't seen the transfiguration, they haven't seen the cross and the resurrection, they haven't seen Jesus for who he really is. They don't know he is the one through whom God made the universe. They don't know he is God himself who loves and cares for them. They don't know that he is the one who will later go to the cross to die for them, to bring them to God. If they knew this, they might have trusted him. Jesus knew who he was, though. Because did you ever stop to ponder, how could Jesus sleep during the storm? Maybe he was a heavy sleeper. You might know a heavy sleeper, someone near you. Uh, you might get that they could sleep through a storm. But Jesus could sleep because he knew who he was. He knew he was the son of God. He knew that he was in charge of the wind and the waves that was going on. He determines whether we live or whether we die. He knew who he was, so he wasn't afraid. He could sleep peacefully. But the disciples, faced with the storm, did not know who Jesus really was. But that's different to us, no? This side of the cross and resurrection, we know who Jesus is. We do know he is the Son of God. You know, Jesus rose from the dead just as he says he would. He claimed to be God himself and he proved it through various ways. We can know who Jesus is, this side of history. And the disciples, you know, will come to know that later on. But then if the the disciples didn't fully know who Jesus was, why was Jesus so harsh on them? Why the stern rebuke? Well, let's look again at what the disciples said in the midst of the storm. So remember, in that moment... Storm raging all around. And they knew the storm was a bad one. Could be their last storm. They didn't trust that Jesus cared. Remember what they said? Jesus, don't you care if we drown? They didn't care that, they didn't trust that Jesus cared about them. They looked at the storm and they concluded that Jesus didn't care. 
Even so, isn't Jesus still being a bit harsh? You know, there's a localized cyclone going on. Jesus, wouldn't you expect us to be afraid? No, Jesus won't have it. They apparently are to trust Jesus as calmly and certainly when he does nothing to help. That's what Jesus expects. For them to trust him as calmly and as surely when he's doing nothing to help. Now let me read you the words of English minister Dick Lucas. It's easy to trust a God who works by miracle. It's easy to put your faith in Christ when God wonderfully intervenes when we pray to him in Jesus' name. The problem comes when heaven is silent. When the storm clouds arise and threaten to to overwhelm us. When Jesus apparently remains asleep in heaven. When our prayers knock at the doors of heaven and seem to rebound. Then and only then do we know whether we trust him. Jesus wants to be trusted when he is asleep and not just when he does this mighty miracle. That's what he calls us to do today, to trust him, even though he appears asleep in the storm. And as the storms come, if they're you know, in life or they might be present right now. You know, last week we heard in the parable of the sower that trouble or persecution will come on those who respond to the word of God. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things will tempt those to res- who respond to God's word to let go of Jesus, to think that he doesn't care. Now as I look at you all, I may not know all the worries of this life that you are facing. I may not know all the trouble that you're encountering. Encountering. And whatever you're going through, I really, you know, my heart goes out to you. It must be so hard. And if you're, you know, if you're responding to Jesus and saying, you know, in this, don't you even care, Lord? Don't you care if my health takes another turn? Or don't you care if my finances are slipping away? Or that my kid is turning away from faith? Don't you care that I'm missing out again? And if that's your response, I really feel for you. Because there have been times in my life where I've literally said things like that. And from God's word today, I'd love to give you a big spiritual hug and tell you it's okay. Look how God loves you. He is with you. I'd love for the passage to say that like it does in other parts of scripture. But Jesus gives his disciples a rebuke. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And so as I bring God's word to you, I'm compelled to pass on that rebuke to you and to me. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Uh, Katie was reading the Jesus Storybook Bible to uh, my kids the other other night. And she pointed out the story, you know, she read the story that we're looking at today. Uh, let's see how it puts it uh, in this book. It says, then Jesus turned to his wind-torn friends. Why were you scared, he asked. Did you forget who I am? Did you believe your fears instead of me? So easy to do. 
to believe our fears instead of believing in Jesus. And we more than the disciples, because we know Jesus in all his glory. We know his command over nature. We know his concern for those who are his. We know his power to, uh, to heal and cleanse. We know his love for you, that he would take your place under God's judgment so that he loves you, he has died for you. Brothers and sisters, do you still have no faith? Do you, don't you trust him? It's precisely when the miracles do not occur in your life that Jesus calls us to trust him still. A couple of things to conclude. Firstly, if this has challenged you, challenged even your faith, what you believe, if your form of Christianity requires God to continually bless you with smooth sailing through life, then that's an issue. That's a problem. Uh, Types of Christianity like that don't understand Jesus' rebuke here. Uh, The Methodist minister, Donald English, his words are helpful here. He says, for the the disciple, it should be enough to be with the Lord, whether life seas are running smoothly or not. Forms of Christianity which encourage and promise a life of continual success, excitement and growth will not only lead to frustration and despair, they actually point the disciple towards the wrong goal in the Christian pilgrimage. It is enough that Christ goes with us on our journey. We do not judge his care for us, nor the state of our discipleship, by the roughness of the seas over which we sail. Instead, the heart of Christianity is Christ. Not his blessings, knowing Christ, trusting Christ. That is what the Christian faith is all about. And lastly, if you're in the midst of a fierce storm or when they come down the track, if Jesus' power seems hidden, remember who Jesus is. Turn and trust him. It's at those moments Jesus is calling you to trust him, even if you think he's asleep, even if you think he doesn't care. Because the more you get to know Jesus, the more you see how trustworthy he is, how how you can depend on him and put your faith in him. Do you know what it is? Do you know who Jesus is? Do all that you can to come back to what you know of Jesus Do all you can to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. Because even when he is seemingly asleep, he is trustworthy. For he has the power over whatever storm you're facing. And so if he's letting the storm rage, he knows why. He has a good reason for it. And he cares for you whether the storm comes, calms down or not. He's gone to the cross for you. He's not going to neglect you now. So don't look to your circumstances to see if Jesus cares. Look to the cross, because that's where we see that Jesus cares for you. Jesus is calling you today to trust him. Don't believe your fears, believe him. His care for you is bigger than calming the storm in your life? Will you trust that he cares for you, that he is with you? Because when Jesus is with you, there's nothing to be afraid of.